0: one of the backup uh, singer mics there, uh, Sandra. So uh, Bree is heading out for a missions event adventure uh, placement. However, I don't know even the right way to say it, Bree. But uh, we wanted to bring this uh, up to the church. We wanted you to know as we're, when we send someone out to the mission field, we take that serious because we need to cover them in prayer and we need to know where they're going and what God's doing in their life. So Bree, you're going to be heading out this summer. Can you tell the church just a little bit about where you're going and what God's called you to do?
1: Um, so I am going to be living on base at the Ensenada YWAM base. <laughs> um, I'm going to be working with missions, adventures. So, for example, like when the team comes out from our church in the summer, I'll be working hopefully with you guys. I want to work with you guys. But I'll be working with different teams that come out um, to volunteer down in Mexico and sharing the word of God with people down there and everything.
0: <laughs> and how long will your placement be?
1: I'll be there for 11 weeks.
0: Awesome. Um, So what can we as a church do to partner with you for this short-term mission? And um, tell us about your needs uh, and also what you would have us pray for.
1: Um, Be praying for me and also the staff down there. Um, I am a little nervous, but I am super excited to pray for the nervousness to go away. But um, yeah, and thank you for everyone here that has helped support me on going on this mission trip. Um, And if you want to help in any way, help the other missions team from our church going, so...
0: Yeah, and talking with Bree beforehand, uh, God has blessed her, and so she's in a great place, but she, we both agreed give to our Ensenada group that's going down in July. Uh, but most importantly, just pray, right, Brie? Pray that God will use you in a mighty way, that he'll grow and change you. And I'm going to ask Pastor Kerry to come on up here. Uh, this is a proud moment as a mama, but more importantly as a pastor. And I know Bethany wanted to come on up, and we're just going to lay hands on Bree and pray over her. So if you extend a hand forward, Brian, come on up. We're going to send her out through with prayer on this mission and ask God to do incredible things. Amen? All right, go ahead. Pastor Carrie.
2: Father God, I just thank you for this beautiful, mighty woman. I thank you that you've called her and you've anointed her for this time. Lord God, that she goes in your strength and she goes in your power. Holy Spirit, that you would just lead her and guide her in everything. We just thank you for the hedge of protection that surrounds her and goes before her in the name of Jesus. We thank you for health upon her body the entire time in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for just, God, that you would grow her in ways that she can't even imagine, that the calling that is on her life will become more clear each day that she is there. Holy Spirit, that she will hear your voice and she will be quick to obey. Father, I thank you that you're going to draw things out that have been imparted to this young woman from the very day that she was born. Lord, her sensitive heart, her caring and sensitive love for other people, Lord, that you will use that to minister life not only to those on the base, but to those in Ensenada and all around. Lord, I ask that you just give her such grace for the culture, for the language, Lord, that there would be just a supernatural anointing upon her, God, to just even learn the language quickly so that she can communicate with all those that you put on her heart. I pray for boldness in Jesus' name to speak up. Boldness to pray for others. Boldness to walk out those things that you are putting upon her. In Jesus' name we thank you for favor, blessing and prayer partners. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen.
3: Um, I just Bree, every time I look at you I just think to myself look what the Lord has done. Like That's just the the phrase that goes over and over in my mind and you have been talk about transform pastor Matt talked about this morning but I remember the shy Brie I remember the the little Brie that that had a hard time just to stand in front of people let alone talk in front of people but your heart has always been so rendered to the Lord and to do what he wants you to do and I believe that you're going to be you're you're being given this big assignment because you've been faithful in the little things And you have said yes, and you have obeyed, even when it's been hard, starting with just the littlest things that God asked you to do and now this big thing. And so I agree with your mom when um, I just saw you walking in a a level of boldness that was like we wouldn't even recognize you, and I think that's so awesome. So I just want to also pray over you, and um, I'm just so proud. I'm just so proud of you. Lord, I thank you for this amazing young woman of God. I thank you for the transformation you've done in her life. I thank you that you're going to use every single obstacle that she has been through in her life to um, help understand and speak to other people, Lord. I thank you that... um, anything that she's been through, Lord, has been um, not for naught, that you're going to use it, God, um, to bring people into the kingdom. God, I pray that you would just put your words on her mouth, Lord Jesus, so that she would be able to speak to those who are hurting. God, I pray that um, you would give her supernatural wisdom and insight when she looks into the eyes of others, that she would know exactly what it is they need to hear, Lord, and even if it's just a hug or a smile, God, that she would just Um, continually be obedient to you in those little things, God, and I believe that as she continues to do that, you will just give her more and more, God, because she's faithful and little, and you will give her much. God, we just bless her as a church, and we will continue to lift her up and pray for her whenever you put her on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, amen. So make sure you talk after church, maybe uh, stop by. Uh, Get her address, talk to Brie, let her know how you can send her support, encouragement throughout her time there. Um, That would really mean a lot to her.
2: I'm kind of taking five seconds, I just told Brad. But I just want to thank you guys as family. I'm watching my daughter Kira up here worshiping, and you guys coming up and laying hands on her and praying over her. And, you know, last weekend we were in the hospital at this time. And we just appreciate all of your love and prayers because like Pastor Matt said, you're our family. We could not do this without you. And somebody else told me this morning, I couldn't do this without you, Carrie. And it goes both ways. And so we just want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us in the hard times, for rejoicing with us in the amazing times. And we just love you guys so much. Thank you.
4: Pastor Brad. Woo, man. Good morning. Worship team came out swinging today. I mean, they punched the devil straight up in the face right out the bat, right? I mean, woo! All right, let's go for the knockout punch. All right, here we go. Man, what a great day! Um, let's get into the Word. We are starting a new sermon series. New series, same book. Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews some more. So. Uh, you can find your way to Hebrews. We're going to dig into the word this morning. I was thinking about <laughs> Pastor Matt, that's I love that story. I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about when I was a kid and and you have those childhood heroes Does anyone remember that when you're a kid and there's that whether it's an athlete or somebody that you really looked up to You just thought man if I could ever meet that person, that would be so cool Does Anyone have someone like that in your life? Maybe you still do <laughs> uh, mine was steve largent and uh and uh, he was a hero to me. And uh, I was too scrawny to play football, so I don't know why I chose football as my sport. But I just love the way he lived his life off the field as well and, uh, and all that. And I was thinking about um, imagining what it would be like to get to spend a day with someone like that who you respect and honor, someone you've looked up to, someone who's a hero. And that invitation. and, and I think about like Make-A-Wish. I love the Make-A-Wish Foundation because they grant wishes to kids, whether it's spending a day at a place or getting to to step in and be a fireman for a day or meeting someone that they've always looked up to and granting that wish. Imagine getting that opportunity and you get the call and they say, you're going to get to go spend the day with whoever this is in your life. And you stop for a second and you go, you know, thanks. I'm good. Like that would be crazy. Like, why, would, why in the world, if you've had someone your whole life and you really look up to them and you really want to spend time with them and you just would do anything to meet them and get their autograph, and then you get offered the opportunity, say, no, I'll pass. I don't know anybody who would just pass on that. And yet, I was, think, I was reading the word, and we'll, we'll discover today in Hebrews this invitation that we get from the Lord. And as I was studying and processing this week, there was a, there was a sense of sadness that came over me because there's this invitation that we've been given to the presence of God and so many Christians say no thanks no i'm good i'll just i'll just try to be a good person i'll just try to read my bible and do all the right things but god has invited us into his presence to meet with him to have relationship to commune with him and it would be insane in my mind to have that opportunity to meet with god and then say i'll pass and yet, we look in the book of Hebrews and we see this, this group of early Christians that are waffling with this idea, trying to figure out, what do I do with this Jesus that's been, that's come and that has died and that has rose from the dead? And so we're going we're gonna to continue in the book of Hebrews, and I hope today that, that we can move past any place in our hearts and in our lives in which, when we have an invitation to meet with the Lord, we would say, no, thanks, I'm good. I hope that we can move beyond that to a place where when we understand that we've been invited to the presence of the Lord, that we, we run to that place. Amen? And so here we are in Hebrews. Uh, we're going to, to go right to the middle of the book now. Uh, the early Christian Jews we're gonna, is really the focus of this book. So this is written to the early church. Just a recap, if you're new with us, I'm going to give a real quick Recap: If you've been here a while, then I'm just repeating myself. But I want to make sure we all are on the same page with the context. You have the early church being persecuted, and Nero was in reign, and so there's terrible things happening. It, it, it looks as though he hadn't started killing Christians yet, but he had been taking away their property, their possessions, been been injuring them, been been beating them, and you have this early Christian church, and it was made up of two different types of Christians. You had Jews who were raised on the law of Moses and the old, old Testament, the Old Covenant, and they had believed in Jesus and they were now, uh, had become Christians as Jews. And then you had the Gentile Christians and they had, they had had nothing and then they came to know Jesus. Well, as this persecution starts to come and this pain starts to be put on them, the Jewish Christians, many of them started thinking about, well, we can still worship God. Let's just go back to the Ten Commandments. Let's just go back to the old ways Jesus is troublesome. Have you found that to be true in your life? Jesus gets me in trouble. Jesus makes it so the people don't always understand me. And so they were raised on this specific way of following God, this set of laws and commands. And it was all centered around the sacrificial system. God had set up this system of sacrifice in which priests were appointed to make amends with God for the people. So if you had an issue in your life, anyone ever sinned before? Okay, great. Show of hands. Everybody raise their hand. And you would have to go to the priest, and the priest would make a sacrifice on your behalf to God to say, God, forgive this person. Imagine having to go to a priest to ask forgiveness. Now, this was the process that they had to go to. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter 5 through 10, which is where we're going to spend our time in this series, the author of Hebrews makes a very bold statement, a very bold declaration, and that's this. There's a new priest in town. There is a new priest that's here, and it is not the same as you have been serving in the past. It's not the same that your fathers and your forefathers served. There is a new priest. Jesus has made a new and living way to be reconciled to God, he has come and He has done something new. And so this whole section of Hebrews, now we're gonna to have to dig into a little bit because none of us were raised with an understanding of the sacrificial system. We don't know like these people did what their fathers and forefathers and their, their grandparents and great-grandparents had to do to go through to get to a place where God would meet with them and would forgive them. But these people knew all well. So we'll dive into that a little bit in this series so our understanding is, is complete But we're going to look here, we're going to start right in the middle. Next week we'll go back to chapter 5, but I want to kind of set up the whole purpose of this entire section of Hebrews, and it begins in Hebrews chapter 9. So we're going to start in Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9 verse 1. You can turn there in your Bibles if you have the Abundant Life app. If you don't, Abundant Life Ording, you're going to search for in your app store. There are notes right on the app you can follow along with Take Your Own Notes and such there. So Hebrews 9, verse 1 says, Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was the second section called the most holy place. If you have King James, you'll see it says holy of holies. It was the most holy place. Same thing. Having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now, <laughs> why can't he speak in detail? First of all, that's another whole book. Right? There's a lot of detail that goes into that. And he's operating under the assumption, I'm writing to you, Jewish Christians, you already know the details. I don't need to give you all the details because you were raised with this, you already know the details. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of detail because we weren't raised with this. So why did he bring all this up? He brought it up for context and he, he gave some things that were in there. He had the man, it talked about the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God was. In the ark, it had the manna, which was, they saved some of the manna that God had given miraculously in the desert for 40 years as they wandered. Aaron's staff, who was the first priest, the Ten Commandments were in there. So you have all these things, and and the presence of God was there in the ark and the covenant in the most holy place. So since we aren't Jewish, let's take a quick look to elaborate on what he's talking about. He says, for a tent was prepared. He's talking about the tabernacle. So as the Israelites wandered in the desert, they had a, what was known as the tabernacle. It was a tent. It was where the Israelites would reconcile with God in that place. This is where the sacrifices were made, and this is where his presence remained. And so these priests would go into the tabernacle. They would make a sacrifice. They would place it on the altar, and as they placed that sacrifice on the altar, that was where reconciliation happened between God and his people. Now, the instructions to build the tabernacle were insanely specific. If you've ever read the Old Testament, and you, you read the instructions to build the tabernacle, and these very specific measurements, these very specific threads, and then you read the instructions to build the temple, which came later, that was a permanent tabernacle, you see how, has anyone ever wondered why in the world was it so specific? Well, come back, we're going to talk about that another service. All right? But there's a reason for it. There was a reason for it. But let's take a brief look at some of these instructions. So I'm going to read from Exodus 26, verses 33 through 35. And as I do so, I want to put a picture up on the screen for you. And we'll kind of walk through what it was that we're talking about here. So Genesis, Exodus 26, 33. It says this, and you shall hang the veil or curtain from the clasps and bring the ark of the covenant of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place, and you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle, opposite of the table, and you shall put the table on the north side. Okay, so there's just a very quick description. You have to read the whole chapter. You can read that, and it'll go into a lot of detail. So he's talking about hanging this curtain, this curtain on from the clasp. So he's talking about this curtain separating the place, most holy place, the holy place. This veil, curtain, these are interchangeable, okay? And then he says, put the mercy seat, or in some translations, it says the atonement cover on the ark. Place this table, and then he, he gives all these instructions. So here, here's, how, here's what we have on this picture. So if you enter in from the left, you would enter into the holy place. Only the priests were allowed to go into the holy place. If you were not a priest, you had to stay outside. When the temple was constructed, there was a courtyard for the common folk like you and I. But if you were a priest, you would go into the holy place. And you see there's the lampstand as it was instructed there. You see the, the table of showbread, you've got the uh, altar of incense. All right, and then there's a curtain. Now there's not a giant hole in the curtain, that's just so you and I can see what's behind it, just to be clear. All right. So you have this common place, this common place where access to God was very limited only the priests from the tribe of Levi could go into the holy place. That's it. And so we have this curtain here that's dividing the holy place from the most holy place. And in the most holy place, we have the Ark of the Covenant. We've got the uh, mercy seat or the atonement cover on top. And we'll get into that in just a second on what the purpose of that was for. But this curtain was really important. This curtain really spared the Israelites from dying from just casually walking into the presence of God full of sin. And so as the priests would go in, they'd go into this place regularly a few, couple times a day, and they would make sacrifice for the people. But only one man could go into the most holy place. This is the place where God's presence was. One person, one person alone. didn't matter if you were one of the priests. You couldn't go into the place where the presence of God dwelt. You could only go near God presence of God. So you had one man from one family from one tribe from one nation and only for one day the high priest could go in one time a year allowed into the presence of God. I don't know how your life's going right now but I need to go into the presence of God more than one time a year, all right? More than one time a day. So let's go back to Hebrews And we're going to pick back up in verse 6 of Hebrews 9. And he's going to describe something here called the Day of Atonement. So it says here, "...these preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people." By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. In other words, the curtain is still there, which is symbolic for the present age. So he's saying up until this time, we're seeing that the Holy Spirit's saying that the way to the holy place, the most holy place, it hasn't opened yet when you're still worshiping in that old model. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. He's saying that when they offer the sacrifices, it doesn't really do anything to transform your life. You're just getting cleaned up enough so that God doesn't, so you don't die in the presence of the Lord, because it's a holy place. So what he's describing in six verse 6 through 10 here, where he talks about the high priest is, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. And I'm not going to read through all of this. This is a, this is a lot of books. This is a book, the book of Hebrews, is, is very much based from the book of Leviticus, talking about the sacrificial system. And you can go this week, and you can read Leviticus chapter 16. And you can understand Leviticus 6, 16 takes you through the entire procedure of the Day of Atonement. Everything that took place, All of the procedures, all of the expectations, all the requirements, all the do's and don'ts. Leviticus 16 takes you through that whole process. He just summed up in a very brief way in Hebrews 9 6 through 10, kind of a recap of that day of atonement. And what happens is that that once a year, the high priest would enter the most holy place to to offer the sacrifice to the Lord. He would clean himself up. He would literally clean himself up. They had wash basins. They would make sure to clean their body, kind of give themselves some kind of a bath, clean their hands, their feet, make sure that they were ceremonial clean. And then with great fear, with great fear and great intrepidation, that high priest would open up that curtain and would step in to the most holy place. Would step into that most holy place. He would step in, literally into the presence of God. Now before he did that, they would light incense at the altar so that the smoke of the incense would fill the room. And so when he stepped in, he was stepping into a a hazy type of room. Because there was there was you weren't to go see God. You were just in the presence of God. And so what would happen is in, in this time this once a year, instead of placing the blood of the sacrifice on the altar, which was on the holy place side of the curtain, now the priest would place the blood on the atonement cover or the mercy seat. And it was with this place that the sins of the people would be resolved. Would be resolved. Not just the sins, that the people came to the priest and said, I did this, I know I sinned, and so please go to God for my forgiveness. No, this says all the unintentional sins too because we all got unintentional ones too, I'm sure, where we've fallen short of the standard of God. And so they would go and they would resolve everything in that day. But here's the problem. It was a never-ending process because even though the sin was atoned for from the past year, mankind just kept on sinning over and over and over again. So then what would happen? The high priest would come back the next year and get the opportunity to be in God's presence again and would bring the sacrifice and would place that blood on that mercy seat for himself and then for the nation of Israel. And as the author of Hebrews points out, the Holy Spirit shows us that there is a deeper message of the tabernacle. That the tabernacle speaks a message to us. And that message is that the institution that was in place can't lead God, can't lead people into close relationship with God. That, that institution, that tabernacle, that curtain, it actually exists to keep ordinary sinful people separated from a holy God. And there's this separation. It was not until there was a very specific, intentional cleansing where one person went into the God's presence. And this old way, This is the old way. And many of the early Jewish Christians are considering at this moment of this writing, going back to this old way. And the author of Hebrews knew something. He knew that this old way was never meant to draw you closer into God's presence. It was never meant to. It wasn't designed to be that way. The only way to access God is through the curtain. That's the only way. So, if you want to go back and try to worship just based on religious custom and ceremony, you're not going to be transformed by the presence of God. See, the presence of God, the only way to access God is through the curtain, and only a select few would ever enter his presence. I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine a life in which I'm not able to be in the presence of God. I can't imagine a life where once a year, that's it. I need God all the time. I can't imagine only being able to approach God through a third party. Can you imagine? You wanted to pray to God. You've got this deep need and you're in your most difficult place and you got to go, you got to wait and you got to go find the priest and you got to ask the priest, will you go to God on my behalf? Well, I have some good news for you today because even in our greatest need and even in our greatest sin, we can go into the presence of God because the most holy place has been opened. The most holy place has been offered to you. And the good news is that the most holy place, Jesus tore the curtain and there is now a new and living way. There was a new and living way we should look at the symbolism that hebrews 9 looks at in fact he tells us that the holy spirit shows us that there is something symbolic here there is something symbolic we need to look to this word symbol that's translated here in verse 9 it's the same word the greek word is parabole. it's the same word that we use for the parables of jesus Jesus taught in many parables. These parables were to illustrate something to us, to illustrate a principle of the kingdom of God. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, in the same way, the tabernacle and the sacrificial system were an illustration of something that God was going to do through Jesus. So pay attention. This is, to me, this is so exciting because when I go back and read the Old Testament, when I go back and I'm reading the book of Leviticus, where you're reading through, the one where you read it, if you wait till right before bedtime to read, you fall asleep before you get through the chapter, right? But if you see the symbolism, if you see that it's a picture of what God was going to do through Jesus, I promise you it comes alive in a brand new way. So let's turn to chapter 10 of Hebrews. I promise we're gonna cover all the stuff I'm skipping, right? We're gonna go five, six, seven, eight, nine, we're gonna cover all that. It says here in Hebrews 10, 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There is a new and living way. A new and living way. The curtain has been opened. The curtain has been opened. This is more than a symbolic gesture. The curtain being opened is more than just a symbolic gesture. In fact, let's go to Matthew 27 for a moment. Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, we see... A description of Jesus hanging on the cross. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. In Matthew 27, we've seen everything he's walked through, and he's hanging on the cross, and he breathes his very last breath. The book of Luke, I believe, I may be wrong, but I believe it's the book of Luke, says that at his last breath, Jesus breathed out it is finished. And as soon as he took his last breath, Matthew 27, verse 51, says this, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Now at this time in history, we want to note that the Israelites are no longer using the tabernacle because that was portable. (laughs) That's portable God. (laughs) Portable Jesus, which you get with you now everywhere you go. But they're using the temple. They built a temple, same exact setup. The picture we looked at, temple's the same setup. When you walk in, it's just instead of a tent, it's actual walls. And in the temple, there's this massive curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place, just as it was in the tabernacle. And it says, as Jesus breathed his very last breath, the temple curtain from top to bottom is torn. It is ripped. Not by human hands, but by God. Notice it said that the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. The temple curtain was torn from heaven down to earth. It was torn not by human hands, by God. And now we can enter the presence of God because the curtain has been torn. The curtain is opened. Now, let's go back to Hebrews because this is where it gets really exciting. In Hebrews chapter 10, let's go to verse 20. It says that this new and living way has been opened to us. It has been opened to us through the open, torn curtain. Now, this is where it gets exciting. It says that the curtain, that is, through his flesh. It says that the new and living way that you have to access God, that I have to access God, was opened through the curtain that is through his flesh. Do you realize that the curtain is the body of Jesus? The curtain in the temple is the body of Jesus. Now, let's go think through again the crucifixion and what happened to the body of Jesus. He was beaten. He was whipped to the point that his flesh was torn, His flesh was torn. And so here's Jesus on the cross with torn flesh, and the curtain is torn right along with his flesh. It is torn wide open, and access to the presence of God is opened. Church, access to the presence of God has always been through Jesus. It's always been, for all time, it's always been through Jesus through the body of Jesus, this curtain that had been there for centuries, the only way to the most holy place, without knowing, the high priest once a year went through the body of Jesus into the presence of God because it was the only way through Jesus. It's always been. That's the only way to the Father is through Jesus. And what is so great for you and for me and for these early Jewish Christians that didn't know any better at the time is that the way to enter the presence of God, it never changed. It still was through the curtain. It still was through the torn body of Jesus, but the invitation to enter is extended to all. The invitation is what's changed. It's no longer one priest, one time a year. It is now an invitation to all who put their faith in Jesus. That when you put your faith and your hope and your life in Jesus, his death on the cross, it opened the curtain. And the presence of God is available to anyone who comes to him through Jesus. Church, you've been invited into the most holy place. Do you realize that when you look back centuries and you look at the nation of Israel, how many little boys and girls growing up would have just longed to be in the presence of God? They'd heard the stories of what happened in the presence of God. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine being in the family of the Levites and being one of the priests and wondering, I wonder if someday I'll get chosen to be the high priest? I get to be the one that gets to go into the presence of God. But when Jesus' flesh was torn and the curtain was torn, the invitation said, all are welcome. Everybody come. Everybody come into the presence of God. Come and meet with Him. Come and meet with Him. Anyone who's been waiting, anyone who's in need, come into the presence of God. I imagine that if back in that time, if God would have had a make a wish foundation, <laughs> that would have been top on the list to go into the most holy place, to go and meet in the presence of God. Church, through Jesus, you have full access to the throne of God. Through Jesus, you have access to the presence of your God. And so he says here in verse 22. Let us draw near. Let us draw near into the presence of God. Let us come into His presence. Let us meet with Him. He is available, church. He is available to meet. He is available available to go into his presence. You can go to God with your every need. You can go to God with your every worry. You can go to God with your every burden. You can go to God because his presence is available because the curtain has been torn. And we're gonna we're gonna close and worship here in just a moment. Worship team if you could come back up. And as they do, I want you to just take a minute as you worship the Lord together as a church to thank God that we can sing, that we can worship him, that we can live our life in the place of his presence. When you're in sin, when you have regret, you can come into the presence of God because guess what? The sacrifice, it's been made already. The sacrifice has been made. We'll look here in a few weeks at this picture of Jesus going into the most holy place and placing the blood on the mercy seat, onto the atonement cover, the sacrifice has been made for you. Church, don't live your life like the curtain's still hanging there. Don't live your life like there's still this block that is in the way of you going and being in the presence of the Lord. The curtain's been opened. This is the new and living way that we're going to be talking about for the next seven weeks, eight weeks, that this is the way that he has opened for you. We have a new high priest, Jesus, and he brings us in to this new and living way. As we spend time over these next several weeks discovering all the ways, we're going to look at all the ways in which Jesus fulfilled the priesthood. And I want to say there's seven of them. Seven different ways, seven different aspects of the priesthood. And we're going to see over and over and over and over again that Jesus, our high priest, brings us into that most holy place in the connection with the Father, with the heart of God. I need you to know this morning you can pray to God. Some of you say, I don't know how to pray. And my answer to you would be, try something. Can you have a conversation with a human? If not, Well, someone will help you. But I think everyone can have a conversation. You can, okay, you may not have a normal conversation with a human, but you can at least have an awkward conversation with a human. So have an awkward conversation with God. That's okay. Talk to God. Say, God, I desire your presence in my life. That when I'm walking out into this world and I'm trying to make the hardest decisions that I've ever had to face, that I don't just try to figure it out but that I go to you and say, God, I need your guidance. I need your leadership. I need you to speak to me. Church, you know something? You can hear from God. You can hear from God. There's nothing wrong with coming up on a Sunday morning. In fact, I hope that you do. And ask one of our response team or one of our pastors to pray with you and to intercede for you and to hear from God with you. But you can hear from God too. It doesn't take a special certificate. It doesn't take some special anointing. It requires that you have put your faith in Jesus and you understand that since the curtain has been torn, you can walk into the most holy place any time and meet with God and say, God, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear from you. I need your guidance. I need to receive from you. Church, are you spending any time in your life in his presence? I feel like as... 21st century christians sometimes we've 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 known this this bible's been around a while and sometimes when you've known something for a while you kind of just take it for granted imagine hearing for the first time after walking through all of this system that they walked through you don't have to do all that jesus opened a new and living way you can just go right to the most holy place with your god you can enter boldly into the throne room of god You can come to the King of kings and Lord of lords and you can be in his presence without fear. And you can say, God, I need you. God, I want to bring my needs to you, my burdens to you, my sorrows to you and you can be with the presence of the Lord. Are you spending time in his presence? If you're not, I want to encourage you. I want to implore you in your life. Find time in your daily life to meet with God. It is a gift it is a gift. Let's not take that for granted. If we really want to see transformation happen, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us, in our communities, in our world, we all know that there, this world needs the presence of God. The world needs the presence of God. The late Jerry Cook, just he was an amazing man of God, Dr. Jerry Cook. He used to say a very simple thing about God's presence. And he would say, Church, where you go, He is. Where you go, He is. Because the Spirit of God, we say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you come in me and would you fill me? What's so cool is that we're the tabernacle. And he says, I want to I dwell within you. And you all are going out to some tough places in this world. You are going out to places that desperately need the presence of God. You are going out to places where, that are so dark, you could stop and say, man, if the most holy place of God was here right now, that would be a game changer. Well, where you go, he is. Spend time in your life in God's presence. Don't take it for granted. Let's move, beyond, let's move beyond a thing in which we open up our Bible. I challenged you last week to read your Bible every day. I hope some of you took me up on that challenge. But I want to now challenge you to take it a step further. Let's move beyond knowledge of God and let's move our lives into the presence of God. He will radically change your mindset, your perspective, your circumstances, everything that you've dealt with things that you've been fighting against, addictions, strongholds, mindsets that you just can't seem to do anything about, you get into the presence of God, and those things start breaking. They start melting. They start disappearing. And that's the presence of God. In his presence, God's word says, is fullness of joy. And so will you stand with me this morning?